Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Citizens of Lorcana, a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your hosts, James and Adara. Today, we are joined by Jedi Geek Girl from the I Rebel podcast. We are doing a special collaboration going over our favorite cards from Into the Inklands. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another week. Last week, we had on Deck Builder Extraordinaire Steadfast, where we talked about, of all things, deck building. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to that. And today, we are joined by a very special guest, Jedi Geek Girl from the I Rebel podcast. Hey, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on and doing this collaboration with us. Uh, unfortunately, before we begin, I would like to disclose that Luke was going to be a part of this, but he is sick. He will be giving his favorite cards in every ink after our first part in our episode that was just released just before this episode went live. Oh, so he gets the exclusive reveal of the, the three inks we're doing before ours. Ooh. <laughs> it's well, like we get to guess what his are, kind of. <laughs> watch us name I all mean, three of his, right? I mean, that's the benefits of being sick, I guess, you know, yeah, if there's yeah. any benefits. No, not really. <laughs> no, we Take definitely work, hope maybe. he gets, yeah, we definitely hope he gets better soon. So... This is a special bonus episode, like James already said, that we're doing in collaboration with iRebel, and we're going over our favorite cards from the Inklands. So each of us have picked three cards from each ink, and we're going to reveal them one at a time. So on Citizens of Lorcana, we're only covering Ruby, Sapphire, and Steel in this episode. So you want to head on over to the latest episode of I Rebel to hear our favorite cards from Amber, Amethyst, and Emerald. So we're going to get right into our three. All right. So we're going to kick it off with Ruby. Uh, and going first with their third favorite, because we're counting up, is Jedi Geek Girl. So what is your third favorite card in Ruby? My third favorite card in Ruby is actually an interesting choice because... When you guys were on iRebel Gaming, a lot of your choices were very thematic and cards that you really liked outside of the competitive play and meta. And I feel like I'm doing that here because while I do think this card could see play competitively, I mainly picked this card because I love the character on it. I love what it brings to the game. I definitely want to try her and see how she works. And you're probably wondering, what character am I talking about? What card am I talking about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be the the princess, the ocean princess herself, Ariel, Adventurous Collector. Ariel is a three-cost inkable character card, two strength, three defense, dreamborn hero princess. She has one lore, and she is a super rare. She has the keyword evasive. And she has the ability Inspiring Voice. Whenever you play a song, chosen character of yours gain evasive until the start of your next turn. Friends, you're probably looking at this card and being like, okay, she is very situational. And you would be right with that. I mean, if you are looking at your Ruby deck, I don't know if you would run her over Minnie Mouse because Minnie Mouse for the three for the same cost and and evasive. She has two law instead of one, but the reason why I love her so much is because of her effect. Her effect is very situational because obviously it requires another character on the board, 
but I love the ability to sing a song and then give another one of my characters evasive so my opponent cannot swing at it. So I don't know if she, she will see a place in the competitive format, but I love what this card brings to the character. I love Ariel. I mean, who doesn't love Ariel? Especially if you are a millennial. If you are a millennial and don't like Ariel, I want to talk to you because I'm curious about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, Ariel is going to be my number three for Ruby. Well, that's that's a good pick. And I think Adara may have something to say about that. I do. So definitely make sure to check out the I Ravel episode if you haven't to hear the other card that Jedi Geek Girl and I had matched on. But we actually matched on this one too. I also have Ariel Adventurous Collector as my number three for Ruby. Um, I focused a little bit more on her art, mainly because when I got to see this card in person, it's this deep purple background um, that if the if the card is fully printed with the ink that it should be, it's this dark purple and the green of her tail and the red of her hair just pops on the card like it is gorgeous um Javi Salas is I think who did this art um and just the design choices he made for doing or they made for doing that it just it's it's probably my favorite art in the game now um I do however want to try give this card a try especially with a ruby amber deck I think this could be really fun with the singer aerial card as well using that card to grab a song from the deck but also be able to sing it yeah i think one of the the fun things with this is that since it's just when you when you have a song uh that it gets a character evasive instead of having to have her quest or something is pretty cool and so in something like a ruby amethyst deck where you have songs with draw and other abilities um and to if she since she is a little a little squishy, I mean you can sing a song with her and uh, play friends on the other side or something like that, and then you can play maybe a fox and give the fox a face. Actually, that wouldn't work, would it? Never mind. I'm just think, trying to think of all the combo ideas you could do with this ability, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be very useful. But I haven't thought a lot about it. I think she'll see a lot of play if we see cards in the future that gets kickers for evasive characters. So like all your evasive characters get plus one lore or something like that or some other sort of combo potential. I definitely think she's a combo card uh, because obviously you need a song card to get her effect. But uh, I just love the card. I wish she would have gotten enchanted. That's all I have to say. Yeah. When are we going to get an aerial enchanted, right? Absolutely. I mean, it could be an OP promo. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we are going to move on to, well, we know Adara's because it was the same. So we're actually going to have me do my third one. And my pick is the Jolly Roger Hooks Ship uh, location. It is a one cost uninkable uh, with two move cost and five willpower and two abilities. Uh, look alive, you swabs. Characters gain rush while here. And all hands on deck, your pirate characters may move here for free. And I love this card because it is going to make a pirate deck, I think, really valid and easy and actually possibly a meta deck because being able to give all of your characters rush immediately when you play them, because there's plenty of pirates that you can play, 
and there's a lot of strong characters, pirate characters in uh, both uh, Ruby and Steel. And being able to rush into stuff is going to be really fun. Uh, so I think that this is a really good, really good location. Do you think this card sees play outside of a pirate deck? I don't. I, I think it is a card that is required in a theme deck, and obviously that theme is pirate. I mean, obviously it could pair with a couple meta cards, but those cards are going to be pirates, so at that point you're probably better off just running a pirate deck, and uh, the pirate deck is already seeing a lot of hype build up, and obviously when I say pirate deck, I'm talking Ruby Steel, and I really like the sound of that. Uh, a card we may get into later uh, John Silver, of course, works good with Jolly Roger. And yeah, I just love cards that encourages players to lean into a thematic strategy or deck. So yeah, even though this card, spoiler alert, wasn't a card that I picked, I love what it brings to the game. Yeah, I think it's the, I mean, we we talked about on, on iRebel, we talked about the the sorcerer's workshop and um and uh the castle and how those are such good cards and and the the ca the workshop helps you build a broom deck but i don't think you know that the broom deck is going to be quite as meta defining as it's possible that this one will help make a pirate deck one of the higher tier decks in the meta all right so we're going to move on and we're going to do the second favorite card and uh JGG, why don't you kick it off with your second favorite Ruby card? My second favorite card for Ruby shouldn't surprise anybody. They already know if they listen to me on my content or follow me on social media that I am a control player. So my number two card is going to feature a villain on it that is a villain I absolutely love from one of my favorite Disney films that I think is still underrated. And of course, if you haven't guessed her already, she is the, was supposed to be Cruella DeVille villain, but became her own killer, became her own character herself. And of course, I'm talking about Madame Medusa. Madame Medusa is the boss. She is six cost uninkable, four attack, four health, storyborn villain, one lore. And she has the effect that terrible woman when you play this character, banish chosen opposing banish chosen opposing character with three strengths or less. Friends, this card is a control card. Yes, she is situational in when you play her, but there are a lot of good cards that has three strengths or less. If Lakana had a sideboard, this card would be in that sideboard if you were running Ruby. In fact, you probably would still run her if she is effective in a metagame. Obviously, she's not a 4 of, she's more like a 2 of or a 3 of, but I love everything about this card. The art, the character, the effect. Yes, I love it, and like I said, I love control, so that is going to be my number 2 for Ruby. Yeah, this is a great card, it's, and it's causing a lot of conversation because she's basically the same card uh, with slightly with a slight variation to the Lady Tremaine six-cost uninkable, which allows your opponent to pick a card that gets banished, 
So Lady Tremaine gets around ward, but your opponent gets to pick. This one, uh, you get to pick, but you have the limitation of three strength or less. So it's like you, you, you it's control, it's removal that has these different variations. And I'm, I'm actually considering that if you're playing Lady Tremaine in any quantity greater than two, you may want to just run one or two of each. Uh, to have that option, depending on what comes out, depending on again, like you said, what how it comes out in the meta, what what ends up becoming more useful, uh, I think we'll find out. But it may end up being that uh, maybe you run two of each, or one of one and two of the other. And I think they're both really good cards. And this one's just basically just as good as Lady Tremaine in just a different, a slightly different flavor. I would like to add two more things about this card. Uh, number one, I love the theme of this card where she can remove the mice, like Miss Bianca, you know, obviously can be removed. And I would suspect other characters from this film will be able to be removed from her. But if you want to get Johnny about this card, you can combo her, like with the queen and other characters that reduce the strength of your your opponent's characters. I mean, obviously that probably wouldn't be too effective comparatively, but if you are a Johnny player, you might want to give this card a try and, you know, pair her with the queen or other cards that can reduce your opponent's strength. Yeah, for sure. That's a great combo. Yeah, I am not a control player, but I have definitely run my husband's control deck a couple of times. And I see where the value in this really comes out, especially when comparing it to the Tremaine. For sure. All right, so let's move on to Adara. What is your second favorite Ruby card? My number two Ruby card is actually going to be Voyage, the one-cost inkable action that lets you move up to two characters of yours to the same location for free, and that is a common card. So the main reason I chose this as my number two is it has some fun shenanigans with my number one card, so we'll have to wait to hear more about it then. But just in general, I think playing this card saves you at least one ink, even if you're moving to a one-cost location. That's two characters moving there, and you've paid one ink for the action. So I like this as a way to get your characters to locations. Maybe you have characters that benefit from being at a location, and this can help you get them there um, both at the beginning of the game and also in the middle of the game. So I think that is pretty good. I also like how the art focuses on the boat a little bit more than on the characters that are on the boat. So like if you look at the art, you, like they're just like they're little tiny inked in people. It's mostly focused on the boat and the wave in the center of this card. So I really like it for that. What do you think, JGG? Do you like this card? Yes, I do, actually. I think it is great to have a card like this in the game. It might be a little bit too slow because it is an action card. And even though it does cost one and it's pretty effective, I don't know if you will run this competitively or in a deck, but having the option is just fantastic. It might be decent and limited. It might not be. But this is a card that we needed to have. So uh, before we continue, I just want to say my cat's making some noise. So she might be guessing on this episode. Afra, of course, is the cat I'm talking about. So anyways. All, all pet guest characters, welcome. 
I don't know what her favorite card, but I think I have an idea what it might be. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Next up is my second favorite card, and I picked Hey Hey Accidental Explorer. Uh, two cost inkable, three strength, two willpower, one lore, storyborn ally with the ability Mindless Wandering. Once per turn, when this character moves to a location, each opponent loses one lore. Uh, and of course, I would like to uh, mention the flavor text, considering the coconut. Um, I love this card. The art is hilarious and amazing. The ability is very cool. Um, this card is probably not going to get played in any meta decks, I would I would assume. Um because Hey Hey is not a pirate, so uh, Hey Hey is not uh, challenging with Rush at Jolly Roger or anything like that. But I just love this card. It is the best card uh, for flavor and the art and just everything about it because we all love Hey Hey. So that's why. I agree. I also love the artwork on this card. During the recording on the Ivy Bell Gaming Podcast for part one, we did talk about a card where I was like, hey, I love this art, and it would be great for card plays. Actually, I think we might have done that for one or two cards. But looking at the art on this card is another one I go, hey, this is art that would be fantastic on card sleeves. Yeah. What? I would definitely... Yeah, I would definitely run a deck with the Hey Hey card sleeves of this art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I would love that. Um... Yeah, there's not a lot to say about this card because I don't think it's a, a, a super great card. In, in any lore reduction deck, you obviously are going to use this, but uh, that's not really a deck that's uh, that's that's good right now. It's a fun deck, especially in multiplayer. Uh, this this card loves multiplayer. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's move on and let's let's hit our our number ones, right? Uh, Jedi Geek Girl, what is your number one Ruby card? Again. My favorite card in ink shouldn't surprise anybody. As I previously mentioned, I am a control player. And one of the things that you do in control is removal. So you probably already have guessed my favorite card in Ruby. And that is the removal option, the prints himself, to go along perfectly with my last two prints, with my last two picks because he removes and he's from the same franchise as Ariel. And of course, I am talking about Prince Eric, expert Hellsman. He's a four-cost, uninkable character card. Two attack, two health, two lore. Dreamborn, heal, prince, super rare. He has the effect surprise maneuver. When this character is banished, you may banish chosen character. Obviously, this card has a lot about it that I really love. Number one, in no particular order, of course, the artwork. Uh, the artwork on this card is fantastic. Another piece of artwork that you could do something with outside of the card himself. But I did not pick him just for the artwork. I picked him because of his effect. Obviously, he is squishy, but that is exactly what you want, what you want in a character like this, because you want to force your opponent to remove him. If not, 
you want the ability to remove him by ramming him into opponent character or comboing him with one of your own cards, such as Teeth and Ambition. If you play this card right, you can two for one him, being able to remove a character with his attack and his effect. But I think the strongest thing about this card that plays into what you want to do with him is his lore. Two lore, I mean, for four, it's pretty average, but two lore on a character card that punishes your opponent for removing him, that to me just is perfect. What do you think, Adara? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's an, abil it's an ability that we've seen before, but on him, I think it's doing a really nice job. Um, I will also say that when we bought our missing super rare singles, a TCG player also agrees that this card is playable because it is one of the more expensive of the super rares. So I think it'll be cool to see where he ends up in decks. Yeah, and I would like to point out because again, when you're when you're talking about hitting all of the the whole spectrum of things about cards, not only is you know you got the art, you got the playability, uh, and all that kind of thing, but you also have the flavor text, which is advancing the lore of Lorcana itself. Uh, with the storm came out of nowhere, forcing Eric to turn back before he reached the mysterious structure at the edge of Lorcana. So we're getting story in addition to the playability of this card. Gotta love that story. I just want more of it, honestly. I wish they would dive deeper into a story because I love story. I love lore. And it felt like we were getting little pieces during set one and two. And set three was going to be, you know the floodgate of the story and unfortunately set three has been a little lacking when it comes to the story department. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see if they have stuff and uh, surprises in store for us as, as the process of set three goes through over the next uh, 12 weeks uh, before the next set comes out. Um, but let's, uh, let's move on to Adara's number one pick. My number one pick for Ruby is the RLS Legacy location, the Solar Galleon. So it is a four cost uninkable. It's a three move cost, but it has eight willpower and it gains two lore and it has two abilities. Uh, it says, this is our ship. Characters gain evasive while here. And then heave together now. If you have a character here, you pay two less to move a character of yours here. And it's a rare card. So the reason why I really like this card is I think it goes so well with the other Treasure Planet cards that have been released with this set. Um, as well as it's really fun, I think, to combo with like Voyage. Um, and there's just there's there's a couple of ways that you can get you can move characters for free or like ignoring the move cost to help reduce that part of this. Um, but like gaining evasive is pretty solid. Um, I think Fang in Emeralds edges out a little bit over this with having the ward in the evasive, but just the flavor of this ship from Treasure Planet with the other cards like 
um Jim Hawkins I think works well and like the pirates so I think I think it's I, I'm not sure how playable of a card it is in competitive formats but I I loved this nod to the Treasure Planet movie and just the the art itself brings back the wonder that I remember experiencing while watching the movie of like just these grand ships so it just it gives me all the good feels I really appreciate the thematic nature of this card. If you are running this card, you probably will be, you probably will want to be running the Jim Harkin Legendary card. I don't think it is a card that you play more than two of. Obviously, you are getting two lore and you are getting the evasive, but you don't want to get stuck with it without Jim. Yeah, you could play it, but that three for move is brutal unless you can, you know get around that which requires another card so it might you know make you too reliant on other cards but I think it is a fun include in the pirates deck and uh one or two of them I think is perfect for that deck yeah I agree and I'm just going to move right into my number one because we're going to talk about it a little bit along with this and my number one of course is Jim Hawkins Space Traveler uh five cost inkable four strength four willpower uh, storyborn hero with two lore and two abilities. This is it. When you play this character, you may play a location with cost of four or less for free and take the helm. Whenever you play a location, this character may move there for free. So you have the benefit paired with Arliss Legacy, which of course, you know, it's a perfect combination. You can play Jim Hawkins. You can play the, uh, the Arliss Legacy, which costs four. And then you can move Jim there for free and you're saving yourself seven ink in doing that and being able to play a five cost character for a total of 12 ink worth of value is incredible. So I think that both of our picks, number one picks are great in combo. Um, I think the RLS is still a good location. I, I love the location with that evasive and voyage and Jim Hawkins and any other cost reduction that you have is great to get that first character on there because you just need the one and then everything else only costs one to move. And so you get, it gets a lot cheaper to get characters on there with evasive and with that eight willpower and the two lore, uh, I think it's going to be great location to pair, like you said, in the pirate deck with Jim Hawkins. If you want to, if you want a, um, you know, a space travelers deck or whatever, and Jim Hawkins himself, uh, great art, good stats, uh, he's a legendary, of course, and I think he was the first legendary revealed. And so he was the first one where everyone noticed that his the little bit of his hair was breaking the frame. And then that theme that that traveled on to all the other legendaries. And this is the first set where the legendary art, there's a little bit of it that's breaking the frame. The the uh, rope from uh, the sail is also kind of going through the red below in the the ink swell of the card. So uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it's a great card. I think it's going to get a lot of play for people who want to play locations. And uh, Ruby is obviously the best color uh, for getting these locations out quickly with uh, Jim Hawkins. Um, maybe second best if you count uh, some of the steel cards that allow that as well. But I think Ruby is one of the best the colors for playing locations. I agree. And when this card was first revealed, I absolutely fell in love with him. I still think he is a pretty good card. This card is my runner-up for Ruby when it comes to my top three, so I definitely appreciate him a lot. He has 
a decent body. He has two lore, but it's really his effect is why you're playing him. If you are running a deck with location, there's no reason why you wouldn't be running this card. You know, even if you are unable to play this card and get a free location, being able to move him to a lo location whenever a location comes into play is just chef's kit, especially if that location requires you to have a character at it. I mean, even if your opponent removes your location, you know, it didn't cost you anything to move him. But yeah, I think he is a, uh, I would say a staple in location decks, but I think that it's wrong. But just for, you know, kicks and giggles, I am going to say he is a must include in any deck that has Ruby, obviously, and locations. The only thing I'll add is something that has probably already been said, but his his ability specifies for cost or less for locations. And this set, we only have up to four cost locations. So I, I don't think it's too much of a surprise, but we expect to see more expensive locations going forward. Yeah, I mean some of these have some such good abilities like what are they going to put on those more expensive ones it's like are we getting more lore are we getting some insane other abilities like this can't be challenged yeah i it's they could do a lot they have opened the floodgates literally and figuratively <laughs> oh, so much fun to think about I think if you are paying one and four for a location that location has to have an immediate effect when it hits the board yeah mm. yeah yeah definitely something expensive is going to do something good right okay hey, removal probably you know, <laughs> it's ruby. if it's in ruby yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right so we're gonna move on and we're gonna now start with our favorite sapphire cards uh and we're going to kick it off with adara's third favorite sapphire card uh which which one is it so it's another location. In picking my favorite cards, I really wanted a chance to showcase these locations since this is like what Into the Inklands is. Uh, so it is a four cost inkable location and it is the McDuck Manor, Scrooge's Mansion. So it's a one move cost with that nine willpower on it and two lore as a common card. Um, this card is what I lost to the heaviest at my draft this is as an inkable that's incredible the big nine willpower on it like this this card came down and i did not have anything to remove it like i i watched helplessly as this gained lore turn after turn after turn um so i don't know if it'll see play in competitive decks that run there but I think this was like, I, I passed on this in my draft. I will not do that again. Like <laughs> this is, this is crazy to get that nine body out on turn four is just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play with this card in my draft, but just that nine health is just so strong. I think at the very most you can probably not only win the game with it, but like force your opponent into situations that are not the best for them, especially if they don't draft that hard removal steel action card that just removes locations. 
-hmm. At the very least, you're probably getting four lore from it. So four lore for four resources is just fantastic. And again, you're forcing your opponent to active, you know, answer this, which requires more resources from them than, you know, removing those cheap locations. So yeah, it's a pretty solid four drop and it is inkable. I don't know how effective it's going to be comparatively, but I think it is a, a great choice. And I mean, it's McDuck Manor. Manor, you can't go wrong with that location. Nope. Everything you said. It limit, I had it in, in one of my sealed uh, games, and I love putting it down. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't last very long because my opponent did have a, a board full of answers, but it, allowed, it made them where they had to... Uh, attack all in one turn instead of quest so it helped me uh delay delay the end as they say but um no it's it's a good card and uh it's a fun card but yeah i don't know if it gets played much out of out of uh, limited kind kind of events unless you're building a duck deck of course if you're building a duck deck it goes in immediately i mean if you're not running him and you're running scrooge mcduck i mean you're playing lacana wrong <laughs> yeah exactly um all right uh next up uh, oh, look, it's me. I get to do my third choice. Uh, so my third choice is the Queen, Mirror Seeker, a four-cost inkable, two-strength, five-willpower, storyborn villain queen sorcerer with one lore and the ability Calculating in Vain. Whenever this character quests, you may look at the top three cards of your deck and put them back in any order. And this is another card, like uh, in the previous uh, I Rebel podcast, if you listened, that I am putting in solely for the art. Uh, this is the the glow of the mirrors, the cleanness of the art, the reflections, everything about it on this card just, just screams amazing art. And uh, I love it, and that's why it's in here, and I don't care if it is unplayable. So that's it. She might not be playable competitively, but she does, I would call it, you know, quote unquote, ink break. She has an effect that is most commonly seen in another ink in this ink. Mm -hmm. Obviously, her effect is more common in Amethyst, and we're seeing it here in Ruby with her. So I think that is why she is, quote unquote, unplayable, is because it is a out of ink effect. She might be able to combo with anything, but I mean, if she doesn't, she has great art and she still allows you to run her if you want to run, you know, a thematic Queen Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs deck. So she might have a place, but, you know, she ink breaks and her art is a great win and would be a great playmat. Along with the art, um, this was a foil that I was fortunate enough to pull from one of our boxes. And the foil is just as good as like the regular art. Um, they they foiled it so well that it it accents the art where it needed to be accented. And yeah, I I can I definitely looked twice at this card when I was making my list because the art is just that beautiful. Yeah, I did not get a foil of this, unfortunately. I will be keeping it if I if and when I do get one. <laughs> yes. All right, so uh, we are moving on after me is... Uh, make sure I'm going to the right one here. It's Oh, the only other choice, we have Jedi Geek Girl. What is your next choice? My third one is a character whose effect 
may not be good competitively, but one that I really do like. It serves a purpose with a niche that hasn't been filled yet in Wakana, and that is what is going on when you banish all these items of yours besides recurring them if you have cards in your deck that allow you to recur them? Well, this card is the answer to that question. And of course, I am talking about Tinkerbell, very clever fay. She's a five cost, inkable, three four, two lore, dreamborn ally fay. And her effect is, I can use that. Whenever one of your items is banished, you may put that card into your inkwell face down and exerted. The reason, like I said before, why I went with her is because she serves, she provides the opportunity for those items that you are banishing another purpose that otherwise they would not. There isn't really too much to say about this card besides the fact that, you know, the art is fantastic and, you know, she just fits a niche that, you know, needed to be filled and allows you to have fun with those items that you are banishing if you want to run her. The oversized card. So this is this is one of the two cards that comes in the gift set. And the oversized version of her with the foil is is pretty stellar as well. I love seeing the bigger versions of the art and getting to look at more of the details from it. I see James James is holding up his his set of foils in his little wax paper. Um but yeah, I also like how she's holding the like lore pip thing. Um, and I I got to point that out to my husband and he didn't realize that. So I love how she fits into the world of Lorcana in that way. I, I pulled one out. I opened up one of the wax packs. I hadn't opened any of them yet, because but I am keeping one of these. So these cards are nice, right? I don't I don't I know people don't like the oversized cards because they're like they're unplayable or whatnot, but hey, they're fun, right? I like them. They are a fantastic collector's item. I haven't opened any of mine yet. I won't open any of mine until I get one of those binders that you cannot find anywhere because I was not smart enough to buy one, even though I would have overpaid for it. But yeah, I like the oversized cards and you know, I look forward to, you know, being able to play a game with all the oversized cards. Oh, I would like to point out now that the two binders, the Queen and the Surfer Stitch, uh, those are both reprinted for set three. They didn't make new binders, so you should be able to find them a little more easily uh, if you check stock at places like Target. Uh, if your local game store doesn't order them or doesn't have them, uh, some big box stores may be getting fresh supplies of them if you want to keep an eye on their websites and such. And I think Robinsberger's uh, storefront on Amazon also has them in stock. As much as I want to get that binder, I think I want to get something that I hope they reprint here soon because it's ridiculous how much it is. And again, something that I did miss. And that is the Maleficent playmat. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of lame how low printed all the playmats were because they're, they're all sold out like day one, basically. Yeah. And I think some of them broke a hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Okay, where are we at? We just did uh, Adar. Oh no, we just did 
We are on to number two. We're on number two? We're on number two, what our number two cards are. Uh, I, I Well, I mean, you're asking the question, but you're going to provide the answer because you're going first. I, I am going to provide the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so my number two is going to reveal a kind of theme I have going on for Sapphire that was unintentional until I listed out my cards and I looked back. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so my number two for Sapphire is Vault Door, the four cost inkable item that has sealed away your locations and characters at locations gain resist one. Um, and the flavor text is only Scrooge knows about this vault and he's going to keep it that way. So this card is definitely a win for the flavor text. Um, it makes me wonder uh, what what is Scrooge hiding in this vault. But uh, this card can be super annoying to play against in certain situations. This was a another card that I had in my my drafted deck, and it gets really fun when you pair this with bodyguards at locations because now all of a sudden people have to run into the bodyguards, but they have resist, and it's harder to get rid of the locations because they have resist. And so I just like Vault Door as an idea and if i am ever playing a deck that has sapphire in it and i'm running any locations i'm definitely planning on including this whether or not that's a good choice but i i love this card and it's just nice simple artwork and a good effect you know i don't want to spoil anything but i guess i well there's a couple of choices but i think i know what your number one is going to be but I say that when there's more than one option that you can go with for your number one, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, the theme, right? Um, yeah. I, I like this, and just thinking about McDuck Manor having 10 that you have to get through, but, you know, the resist, the great thing about the resist, it's plus one every time they attack it. So either they got to come up with 10 or they got to come up with plus one many times. Uh so yeah, this this is great. This is one of the only cards. Is this the only card that gives a bonus to a location? I think it might be. I think so. So yeah, that's that's key. I mean, and this this is a nice costed card. I mean, it's I mean, obviously we would prefer things to be cheaper, but the benefit of this being a four cost item is that if you are end up if you end up playing uh, Magicka in uh, with Amethyst, then she sees this as four lore that she can earn. So any four cost item is is a nice thing to play uh, when you when you have a magic card out. You don't need to play the lucky dime uh, to get that seven lore. You can get four each time. When it comes to the card itself, I am not a fan of it. I don't think it is that good. It is definitely fun. It's thematic. The artwork is great, but you know I don't think you run this card outside of of a thematic deck uh that being said and i doubt lorcana will do that if you can play this card for free from your deck i think this card has great potential obviously it would be a very niche card in order to do that and you could only have to grab this card perhaps if there was some sort of you know ducktail theme that allow you to play this card and only this card then yeah but outside of that I don't know if I'd be running it, but again, you know, I'm thinking competitively, but thematically, go for it. Uh, limited, I don't think you run this in limited. I think, you know, that it's too slow. I think you want to be doing more for four. 
uh, in limited, but you know, thematically, go for it. I think it's it's great thematically. And if you can combo right again, Johnny players, if you can combo this right with like a bunch of resist, like the Maui's Place of Exile plus Voltor plus Cogsworth plus you know other resist characters. I mean, your your opponent better hopes they have hard removal. Yeah, exactly. That's rough. Oh, hey, speaking of rough, we're going to go with my number two now um, because uh, my number two is Pluto, Mickey's clever friend, uh, the three-cost inkable, the three-strength for willpower, uh, dreamborn ally with one lore. He's a he's a vanilla. Uh, but again, I'm picking another one uh, for the art, and this one is uh, really cool because this is the the mickey's helper that is going on the adventures with with mickey and minnie and even in the the flavor text pluto's job was to keep gustav's attention so minnie could get to the cave uh which uh which uh goes along with some of the other cards in the set and i just i just really love the art it's the only pluto uh besides the two amber ones but it's great having three plutos in the game and I love having all the main characters in it, and it, it's just really cool. It looks like a it looks like a comic book slash cartoon uh, come to life. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's all I really have to say about this. There's not much about it except for the art. Again, I love picking ones for the art, so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, the artwork is phenomenal with this card. Uh, when you look at his abilities, it's pretty average for vanilla. I mean, a three, three, four, one was, you know, that's just average. But, you know, like you said, the reason why you picked this card was the artwork. And, you know, you can't go wrong with this. You know, it's another piece of artwork. And I feel like you could say this about every single card. Uh, but if it was up to me, playmat. I would love this. Yeah, you mentioned how he goes with other cards in the set. But I love how he, this is like, this is Pluto's adventuring outfit. And Mickey and Minnie both have their own. And it's they all have their own little unique flavor on them and yes this is very good art and what's that book that he's carrying in his satchel right it's got the it's got the sapphire uh ink uh design on it mm -hmm. it's it's it looks pretty cool <laughs> all right uh let's go with the second one for you jgg what is yours so just like you adar my three picks have a theme, although the theme is a little bit different. Uh, my second one is actually going to be a card I am so glad that we have. I don't know if she will see much play competitively, but I think it is great that Sapphire has another boss monster. Well, not really a monster, but, you know, that's my Yu-Gi-Oh brain kicking in. You know, 20 years of Yu-Gi-Oh will do that to you, but I digress. Uh, the character I am talking about is uh, Grandma Tala. Uh, she's a seven-cost inkable, bloodborne, mentor, four attack, eight health, two lore, shift five. She's a legendary, and she has the effect, do you know who you are? Whenever a card is put into your inkwell, gain one lore. The reason why I love this card so much is because it finally rewards Sapphire for ramping outside of being able to play big cards. Yeah, she is a bit expensive with her shift, but you're running Sapphire. 
that should be no issue. And having the effect to be able to be rewarded for inking cards past the point where you want to go, to me, it fills a niche. And I feel like I am saying this a lot with my choices and, you know, what I have to say about this card that we needed. Obviously, Sapphire had Tamatoa as a boss, as a top end, but this is just another top end in Sapphire that we needed and I am happy to have. And I am kind of surprised that she's going for what she's going for, considering the fact that I don't think she will see play competitively, but she, she won't see play in the competitive sense. But that being said, I hope I am wrong, and I hope that this deck will be viable in some sort of competitive deck. Yeah, I don't have much else to add to that. Like, just thinking about some of the crazy combos that you could do with her um, is, like, with Belle, who also rewards you for having a certain number of ink. Belle's strange but special. Um, but, like, just flat out inking a card to gain a lore like once you have her on the board you already get to ink at least once a turn um and in sapphire you're probably doing that more than once a turn you know go ahead you know another reason why i like her is because she actually makes friend like me good because you get the advantage of inking even though you don't be you aren't able to use the ink first, that is a free if you sing it, three lore. I mean, that alone is worth it, but you probably want to pair this with winning the game. But to me that just makes her, you know, so much more viable. And you know, it, it makes a card that's like, why would you even play this? A card that you're like, okay, maybe I play one or two of it. Yeah, it's 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 an extra win condition for Sapphire where they really didn't have because all that ramp that Sapphire had was the biggest complaint was that you were ramping into nothing. Uh, ramping was just to get cards out. It wasn't something that and their Sapphire didn't have a lot of the best high value cards. Um, so you always had to pair it with something else to make use of all that ink. But now Sapphire does have some answers. You know, the passive lore she can earn just by inking anything. You know, the one card you ink per turn uh, normally is, you know, one one lore when she's out. You know, you can do another one with Fishbone. You can do another one with if you have a bell out. Uh, you can, you know, play, like I said, friend like me and get three lore immediately. Uh, so you can surprise someone by putting shifting her out or uh, even just playing her and having her on board and having someone else sing a friend like me to earn you that three lore uh, to get you closer to your win condition. It's just... There's a lot of ways you can do it, and I don't, like I said, I don't think she's going to necessarily be in a meta deck, but if someone figures it out, uh, she's going to be really powerful as that lore burst near the end of a game to get you into winning position or to win it for you. Last thing I would like to say is, is something totally off topic with this when it comes to the, when it comes to this card is, is I think one thing, once we get it in Lakana that will push Sapphire over the edge is when we get the ability to use your inkwell as basically a second hand. Will we ever get that ability, though? I mean, it's a card game, and I mean, if they want to add layers to it, you know, 
it makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously you won't, you won't be able to dig for free, but I mean, tying it back into Sapphire, being able to ramp all those cards allows you to have more options if they ever allow you to dig in your inkwell for a card, you know, that you might need. So, yeah, we, we have play from your deck. We have play from your discard. I I could see maybe eventually getting a play from your inkwell. <laughs> could be. So um. I am only going to do this because I am legally obligated to mention Star Wars Unlimited at least one time <laughs> per podcast appearance. So uh, Star Wars Unlimited already has that where you can look at your resource role for a card and grab it with a card called Lando Crisian. So you could see a card that when it enters the battlefield, uh, you can grab a card from your inkwell, you know, but oh. I digress. That's cool. All right. So that's, that finishes up all of the number twos. So we're going to move to the number ones and Adara, what is your number one Sapphire card? All right. So number three was a location that we want to play. Number two is the item in order to protect the location and the characters there. So number one, it makes sense to have a card that discounts items for you. And it's not the big Scrooge that everybody's talking about, but it's the uncommon Scrooge. So it's Scrooge McDuck, Uncle Moneybags. It's the two-cost inkable, one-three, dreamborn hero that quests for one lore, and he has Treasure Finder. Whenever this character quests, you pay one ink less for the next item you play this turn. So I just, I while the big, the super rare Scrooge McDuck is a nice card, I really just have a soft spot for this version of Scrooge McDuck. Uh, it's the classic image of him diving into his money bin, but with like this reimagined steampunk diver suit that he's wearing, which is just cool. Um, and then it's just, I, I love how he discounts the items. It's, you know, like the two, I think main flavors of Sapphire we hear about is there's the, um, just the inking and ramp for Sapphire, but then there's also this idea of items and discounting items. So this isn't necessarily a new ability that we've seen, but I like the flavor win for him. He works with the other DuckTales items. He works with the other DuckTales characters I just, I really think the first fully themed deck I build might end up being a DuckTales deck. <laughs> so I just, he's my number one. It just, it scratches all the right itches for me. I really like him because I feel like he fills the hole that Bill, that, not Bill, that's not, just totally different thing. Hello, Mr. Bill. But um, anyway, he fills a hole in the deck that that Bell was never able to fill. When you played that deck, Maurice was always fantastic, even at six cost. Bell being three cost, she was a little bit too slow, even though she had two lore and three health. With this Scrooge McDuck, if you want to do that, it makes so much more sense to include this card because you're able to get a discount on turn three instead of turn four. What that would look like in that deck, I don't know. But I feel like if you wanted to run that deck, now you have an option to include a card 
that wanted to do what Belle wanted to do, but better, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a fun card, but uh, we'll see how, how useful it is. It might get really useful if we see a Scrooge uh, Floodborne card someday, right? Get Definitely those for out, sure. and then and then later in the game, if he's still around, you shift onto him. So, all right, uh, that's that's a good one. I like that one. Um, my number one is uh, a card that actually uh, is a combination of the art and the usability. Um, it is how far I'll go, four cost, uninkable, uh, action song. Uh, with the ability, look at the top two cards of your deck, put one into your hand and the other into your inkwell face down and exerted. Uh, this is a really good card. The art is, uh, you don't have to guess which one this may go on or, or say this one should be because this is a playmat. Um, and I think this the ability is great because it's a song. So for free, you get to replace it and you get a card in your inkwell. And you get to pick. So I I'm I think this is a great card. This is a great way for uh, Sapphire to ramp even better because it has some draw along with the ramping. Uh, so there, I don't think there's anything wrong with this card. I think this one is, is going to be great in Sapphire. Holy cow. We both actually selected the same card for <laughs> one. Uh, this, yes! is my <laughs> this is my number one as well. I love this card. Moana is my favorite film. I love the artwork. I love the song. I love the effect. I mean, why wouldn't you want to run this card? The only complaint that I have is that you're probably running it on turn four, maybe turn three, if you can somehow ramp and have the four resources on turn three, which you could with Graham, I guess. But that's the only complaint that I have. I love the, the effect of being able to look at two cards and being able to select which one goes into your inkwell. And basically, you know, can tripping it. So as you can probably tell by my excitement, I love this card. And I don't know if I would run it because I haven't been running Sapphire lately. Uh, hence why it's no longer my favorite ink, but that's no longer here or there. But yeah, I think this card is fantastic. And if they ever do enchanted song cards, well, they already are. But if, if they ever do enchanted uncommon song cards, uh, this would be a great pick, I think, just because of the art. An enchanted Tafiti would be gorgeous. So I will second the, I think this card deserves an enchanted. Yep. Well, that was an easy one because now that takes care of uh, Jedi Geek Girls number one for Sapphire. Uh, yeah, this is an amazing card. I love it. Um, that means we're done with Sapphire and we are moving on to Steel. And it looks like I get to go first. So my first one for Steel is, let me find it here so I can read it, is Little John Resourceful Outlaw, a six-cost, inkable, four-strength, five-willpower, floodborne hero with two lore, and he has shift four. And the ability, okay, big shot, while this car character is exerted, your characters with bodyguard gain resist plus one and get plus one lore. Um, I think this is a very playable card, especially if you want to build a, a bodyguard deck 
And more specifically, because this is in steel, if you wanted to build a bodyguard uh, deck out of all the musketeers who will give each other also some bonuses, it lets them stick around longer. You get more lore with them. Uh, I can't, I can't see this not being a fun card and making a bodyguard deck uh, just a little bit better, uh, if not a lot better. Uh, what do you guys think? I absolutely agree. Uh, he's another card that I'm like, hey, he fits a niche that we needed in a deck or we didn't know that we needed. Uh, obviously, I don't think he it would be viable in a competitive deck, but not every card has to be viable in a competitive deck. Uh, just to have a thematic deck or a deck that you want to go with a particular strategy with and just have all the cards work together, that is what this card is for. I love the little John character. I love him more, I think, than Blue. No, I I'm going to love them both the same. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think this card is a phenomenal choice. And I hope, actually, no, I don't hope. I would like to see him in effect and just, you know, watch a fun game that revolves around this card and body card and resist and that can get very dangerous very quickly i think i like how he supports your bodyguard characters without being a bodyguard character himself it's like you definitely want to either play him or shift him out when you already have some bodyguards in play or you're able to also play some other bodyguards to protect him like, that just seems like a killer combo to get multiple bodyguards out there to protect him. And, yeah, I, I think this could be a very fun card to play. It is cards like this card that makes me sad that we have so many cards in the game that allow you to gain lore that aren't based on your character, such as, like, obviously Milan and obviously locations now, because... If this was set one, I think this card would be crazy. I think because back in set one, the game focused a lot on challenging and questing. And if you couldn't remove your opponent's characters through challenging, I mean, it totally changes the way that the game works, you know? Yeah. And now it's just a, another good card in a, in a sea of good and great cards. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Jedi Geek Girl. What is your number three card? My number three card is another card that I, well, it is a card that I hinted at earlier on in our recording. And friends, we have been going for like three and a half hours, so please forgive me. We're all a little loopy here, but I digress. Uh, my number three steel card is a character that I really like. And he alone sold a film for me and really turned me around on how I was feeling in a film. He is a character that you really have to see the movie to really be surprised of how good of a character he is, or at least the Disney interpretation of him. Again, if you haven't guessed what this character is, uh, I'm going to tell you. Uh, this character is uh, John Silver, Greedy Treasure Seeker. He's a three-cost inkable. He has three attack, three health. He has all the labels in the world. Dreamborn, villain, alien, pirate, captain. He has one lore, and he's a rare card. He has the effect. Shot your own course. For each location you have in play, 
this character gains resist one and gets one loss. Again, to me, this is another Johnny card. This is the top end. This is the bell, strange but special, card and steel. This is a card that if you are running the pirate deck, you probably want to get on the board to turn a tide of the game. I love him. I love the character. Again, he fits the niche in a deck that you didn't even know needed because we obviously didn't have the deck in set two. But yeah, I I love this card a lot. And the artwork, sleeve, I think. You know, I, I, I every time I talk about card work, I should be like, it's a sleeve or it's a playmat or a binder. You know, because the artwork is fantastic. And I look at the artwork and I think, yes, please. <laughs> I like this one so much that this is my number one card. So we have matched again. This is this. I think this card is amazing. I think this is a late game bomb that can win you games uh, and allow you to do a bunch of things since it only costs three. So if you already played the game a bit, you have a few locations out. It comes down with like what five lore some in some cases if you if you have enough locations out and and plus five you know plus three resists so it's a three six uh you move it to the right location depending on what ink you're playing and you can have give it evasive or evasive and ward uh, or resist more even more resist so this card is i think uh going to be something that it, its value increases as more people figure out ways to get it out uh in the right manner to make it to where they can get that all that bonus lore uh, without having it get removed. So I think I think this is going to be a really good card. That's why it's my number one. Yeah, sorry about taking your number one. That's the first <laughs> time that has happened. So usually usually we have the same card at the same number. Yeah. But... I cannot believe this card is only a rare. Like the ability is just that good. Um, and... I can't remember exactly. Isn't he also one of the OP promos? Yeah, he is. He's he's one of the promos. So like he's gonna be easy to get from. I mean, like relatively easy to get from that standpoint. And just yes, a solid card in anywhere in the top three. Just to to give you a hint of of what people may think of him, uh, when at our sealed event on Friday night, everyone in the top eight got to pick one of the promos. So they put all four promos out and they're like, okay, pick one. And every person who went up there picked John Silver. <laughs> so he's going to be, he's a card that everybody is looking at like, okay, this is the card. You know, that pirate deck is, you know, it has a lot of hype. I don't know if you guys talked about it yet in your content or whatever but you know i think it is a it's definitely a deck that will be prevalent in the meta where it will end up on the competitive scene it's going to be interesting to see but i mean if you don't already have cards for this pirate deck you probably should have it just just to have it and you know it's a fun deck you know i forget who it was but you know back you know during the early days of lakana one of the people got asked, what is your favorite deck or what are you playing? One of those two mm -hmm. questions. And what was the answer? Say it with me. Pirate, Pirate deck. Yep. That was uh, the the brand manager himself, Mr. Ryan Miller. 
Uh, okay, so we're still on number three, even though this was my number one as well as your number three. Uh, so Adara, what is your third best, third favorite, your number three card in Steel? So my number three is kind of a callback actually to my favorite in Ruby. Um, so my favorite, my third favorite for Steel is the Map of Treasure Planet item. So that's the three cost inkable rare card. It has two effects. So the first one is key to the portal. Um, exert this card. You pay one ink less for the next location you play this turn. And also show the way. You pay one ink less to move your characters to a location. So main reason I picked this is I just think it goes in again with the flavor of Treasure Planet. It, they they seem to really have leaned heavily into locations and location support with Treasure Planet. Like the John Silver we just talked about benefits from locations. And I just love how this map also helps you get out those locations, helps you move your characters to locations. Um, and the the use of the color I wanted to call out as well in here. So we we have some like really fun different colors in the art. So I love the little like purple-ish ink on the right side of the image. I I have no idea what that's supposed to be, but the purple with like the neutrally blue and then the gold of the map, I think works together really well to create a cohesive piece. But just the the card design on getting these Treasure Planet cards to all focus around locations, I think is such a cool thing. I look at this card and it is very easy to be underwhelmed, but I like this card because theoretically you can pay three for this card and then get out a location and then move for it all by playing this card. I mean, yeah, that's very situational and you need to have the cards and the characters, but theoretically you could not only play get an item, but you can play a location and you can move and maybe get a kicker from moving. So I think this is a card that is, uh, it's basically, I mean, obviously it is, but it's like the location, it's like the lantern of uh, locations. And I don't know if it will be a backbone of a deck and I don't know what that pirate list is like, but you know, it could be a card that we'll be seeing play, maybe not now, uh, but later on when we get more locations, especially if we get one cost locations uh, that have an effect on them. Yeah, this this card is is along with John Silver is a card that I think is a sleeper hit. That it, it's good, but I think it's better than people think. Uh, one of the things that I think people may be overlooking is that one cost passive reduction for moving. Uh, if you have uh, let's say one cost to move, they're all now free. Uh, if you have Arliss Legacy out and a character there, then they get reduced by two, and that makes it one, and this card makes it free. So your characters can move there for free and get evasive. Uh, another thing that you can do is if you're playing a deck like, let's say, a Broom deck uh, with the Workshop out, where Brooms can move there for free, and you're playing also Steel, you can have this out and other locations. So let's say, oh, I don't know, uh, Maui's Exile Island which has, gives characters resist one. So you move for free, your brooms can move to the Sorcerer's Workshop, quest for one extra lore, and then with this out, they move back or to Maui's Exile Island on the same turn 
for free, and now they have resist one, so it's harder to get rid of them. And each turn they survive, they can move to the workshop, quest to gain the lore, move back to the island, and get resist and survive even better. Or move, you know, to wherever they need to move to get the bonuses of each location on one turn for free. Uh, so I think that this card is definitely going to uh, be brewed up into some decks that really take advantage of locations and the fact that you can get more than one of these out and all of a sudden all the two-cost ones become moving for free. Peter Pan and Emerald loves this because he gets you a one lore that's on the card for one move. If you can move them for free and get a free lore, why not? Uh, so I think that this is definitely something that uh, is going to work if you can build a location-based deck. I agree 100%. If we ever get a Johnny deck that revolves around that revolves around that revolves around location and zooming across the location this card is perfect because it reduces the cost like obviously peter pan is an example that you know he gets a bonus when he moves to a location if there's other cards like that that basically reward you for moving to locations obviously those all have to be once per turn otherwise you get into infinite combo situations but I could theoretically see a deck that has a strategy result that resolves around I want to be moving my characters from location. This basically allows you to do as it might not be effective, but theoretically you could go infinite. I mean, the judge is probably going to call time on you, but you could move your characters from location to location to location to location to location, to location and so on and so on because of that cost reduction. And I think if a deck like that was ever to arrive, this card would be the backbone of that deck. All right. Uh, so that finishes off our number threes. Let's go to number twos. And so my second best, second favorite card in Steel is Mickey Mouse Stalwart Explorer, a three-cost inkable, uh, three-three Dreamborn hero with one lore. And the ability, let's take a look. This character gets plus one strength for each location you have in play. And again, this is a card that needs to see locations. It doesn't need to be at a location to get that bonus, just like the John Silver card. Um, and if you happen to have be playing this in your pirate deck or any deck with Captain, you know, the Jolly Roger, you can play it. And he and if you move him to the Jolly Roger, he now has Rush. And when you have a few locations out, he's now... a six strength, uh, five strength. He can go into a lot of things. Um, so I think this is a good card, but I'm mainly picking this actually because of the art and the fact that this is basically Mickey Mouse's Indiana Jones, uh, which completely fits the theme of the whole set being into the Inklands in the adventure set, the exploring set, uh, the coloring and the, the style of the logo just evokes Indiana Jones so much. And I think it's just 100% fitting that we get Indiana Jones, Mickey Mouse. I love the artwork. I love his effect in the sense that I am glad to see a card with the effect. Uh, with him being three costs, I don't know how efficient it's going to be with his, uh, his effect and being three costs. He might be you know, very niche in that sense. But that being said, I agree with you with the art 100%. I am repeating myself, but I mean, this artwork would be great on a playmat, uh, a card sleeve, you know, bundle, or anything in general. And 
to be honest with you, it is very surprising that this artwork isn't being featured on the product, you know? I'm not saying it should replace Jafar, Mini, or Piglet, but, you know, I look at the artwork and I'm like, this artwork would be perfect on product, you know, all the products. Yeah, I think the thing that I really like about him is the fact that he doesn't start with, like, super weak strength either. Like, he's a 3-3. Three -three. And, like, that's already, like, semi-decent. And so the fact that he only has to see the locations um, and he only goes up from being a 3-3, three -three, he's an excellent pick. Yeah, I think he would be a good uh, tech card, too. I know, obviously, it would be pretty situational. But, like, if you're running a location deck, he would be a great pick to have as a character to answer locations. Obviously, that's, again, very situational, but just the theme of it, like, here's Indiana Mickey, you know, getting bonuses for all the location you have in play, you know, taking down another location. To me, thematically, that is just fun to, fun to picture. And, um, of course, you know, talking about thematically, uh, the flavor text, you know, Mickey knew where to start searching for the sorcerer's hat for the sorcerer's hat but he didn't expect it to be guarded that to me thematically is just it's a cherry on top if you will mm -hmm. so much fun all right uh let's go to uh jgg what is your number two uh my number two is a card that i think is fantastic it's another good card it is a card that i was not able to pull but I want him. I really want him. Uh, he's a legendary. He's a five-cost inkable. And, of course, I am talking about Robin Hood, champion of Sherwood. He's a three-attack, six-strength, two-lore, floodborne hero character. And he shifts for three, and he has two abilities. His first ability is skilled combatant. During your turn... Whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, gain two lore. His second ability, the good of others. When this character is banished in a challenge, you may draw a card. The reason why I love this card so much is actually three reasons. Number one, he shifts cheaply when you can shift him on turn three to me perfect the next effect is he rewards you for challenging not only does he reward you he advanced your win condition and of course that is through lore yeah you could quest with him and get the same amount of lore but usually you're probably removing a character on your opponent's side of the board so you're two for wanting you're getting lore and you're probably removing a character not only that, but he also has another effect. And it's the third reason why I picked this card. Obviously outside of his art, but I digress. And that is when he is banished in a challenge, you may draw a card. So you could attack, defeat a character, get two lore, and draw a card. So you're removing a character, getting two lore, draw a card. To me, that is phenomenal value and of course you could do that theoretically obviously i wouldn't expect him to be banished during the first challenge but theoretically you could do that as soon as turn three 
And you're probably not even, you know, getting that, you know, the card draw off your first, you know, banishing your first challenge. You're probably getting that off your second challenge or, you know, your opponent is challenging him, in which case they might be losing a character. But either way, the value of him is just chef kiss. Oh, and he's inkable too, so. Yeah, so he reminds me a lot of like, we've, we've seen other characters that are like gain lore on challenge. So like the, there's a Simba that does it, if I remember right. And then there's the Aladdin. And so like, this is another flavor of that, but with that that card draw benefit on it on Banish. And yeah, that compare, com, uh, along with the Inkable uh, makes him amazing. And and I like that the card draw is not conditional on your turn. It's whenever he's banished in a challenge. So, you know, if you run into someone on turn three when you shift him, and you banish something, uh, then you get the two lore. And then on your turn, on the your opponent's next turn, if they just happen to be able to banish him, you still get a card draw. So you got one of theirs gone. Well, he's probably going to kill whatever or banish whatever they run into it with. So again, you got, you're probably going to get a two for one, two lore, and a card draw, all for one card you played from turn three. So yeah, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's a ton of value for one card. I agree, and I love those cards. I love Aladdin. Being able to, you know, do a four-point point string with Aladdin is fantastic. Simba is fantastic, but both of those cards you get on the board later in the game. You know, Aladdin is shift five, Simba, I think, costs seven. This card, you can get out on turn three. To me, that just makes it way better. You know, even though Aladdin allows you to point swing, this is just perfect. And you have the six health, too. So you, if you don't challenge, you still get that two lore, and you have that six body on you, you know? Who knew that Robin Hood had such a big butt, you know? But, um, yeah, and uh, I just want to point out one last thing, and that is in the artwork. You know, you it, it's a cute because, you know, it's not just Robin Hood in the artwork, too. So. For sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on to Adara's number two pick. So we, we had the Pluto who is questing or allow out with Minnie and Mickey. We have Mickey, who is Indiana Jones. And then my number two is going to be the Minnie Mouse Funky Spelunker, the one-cost inkable uh, 0-3 that quests for one, who has Journey. While this character is at a location, she gets plus two um, for her attack. So um, this card is mostly chosen for the art. I love how it goes with the theme of exploring um, and Minnie just looks so cute in her spelunking outfit. But um, given the right circumstances, Minnie's a pretty solid one drop. Um, she can take out pretty much any one drop. I think when I went through, there's only four cards that are one drop that have three health um, in the game right now. Everything else is two or less. So if you can get her to a location turn two when she is able to challenge, um, it's it's pretty nice. Like she can come out of nowhere. It's the gamble of does your opponent have the location to move her to or not. Um, if you don't have the location, she's she's not the best card. But the art, you can still look at the art. <laughs> yeah, she really fits into a location deck. 
And if you're able to get a location out turn two, the value here is just amazing. You know, even though her boost on her attack is situational, if you can get that off and defeat an opponent's character, you're probably getting two cards for one with her. And that is just phenomenal. But like you said, the downside is you must have a location and she has to be at a location, which is feasible. But, you know, that is going to be usually on turn two at the soonest. And then you're just paying one for location, one on moving. That could be effective, especially if you are removing a character. But, yeah, I, I do like her, uh, even if she is a little bit situational. Yep. I think it's great having the combo, the Mickey, the Minnie, and the Pluto with all the adventuring gear and all of that. And, again, a nice little one drop that may may see some play in situations, but we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, otherwise it's just cool having it in the in the deck or in the in the set with the art and everything. Um, all right, let's move on to the number ones. Uh, well, my number one, we already know, uh, John Silver. Uh, so let's move on to a Jedi Geek Girl. And what is your number one in Steel? My final card and my final card in Steel and for Into the Inkland fits right into my strategy when it comes to how I play this game. And of course, that is going to be a control card. The control card I am talking about is, and then along came Zeus. Along came Zeus is an action song card that costs four and it's uninkable. This card effect is deal five damage to chosen character or location. The reason why I love this card is not only because of the great artwork and the, oh, I want it enchanted. It is because of the flexibility and control. To me, this is another card that if sideboarding was a thing in this game, you would have in your sideboard. Allow you That would allow you to switch between this card and grab your swords, depending on the deck you played it, you are playing against. If you are running this card, you are running this card for the flexibility. Yeah, five damage is usually not going to take out a location on its own, but you can also use this card to remove a character with a huge butt. So, again, uh, that's why I like this card. And on top of it, you can sing this card for free if you have a character that costs four more. So, this is a card that I definitely would be playing, especially with like the pirate format coming and other stuff like that and yeah i just like the flexibility anytime you have flexibility in a card the its value goes up and like i said i wish we would have a sideboard because this is a card i would put in my sideboard if i wasn't main decking it yep love this card love the art uh the enchanted art i think is amazing uh i do want that one too um and and there's the just being able to use this card to to get at locations, which uh, because locations just came into this set, there are very few options for targeting locations. Uh, so yeah, having this in there is is very nice. Uh, what are your thoughts, Adara? Um, I like that the muses are on this artwork. I've heard people talk before about it'd be really nice to get the muses into Lorcana, and so we we see them in a card. There's hope. You know, it would be nice if we got them. And again, it depends if Lakana introduces this type of mechanic. But, you know, when you have 
a on play effect that allows you to play a card. Usually when it comes from the hand, you are decreasing your options to your hand. And to me, it might not, it might be worth it in the moment, but the better option is to grab it from the deck. And I think it would be great if the muse had an effect where you play one and you get like the other ones or, you know, another one. It, I don't know. That's just a thought I had in my head because when you see the muse, it's not just one of them. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. in my head, thematically, you know, if one comes into play, you know. Get, the, get all the rest. I like it. All right, so the final card, Adara's number one steel card. So my number one steel card, uh, I think is going to be a little surprising to some people, but it's going to be Mufasa, champion of the Pride Lands. So he is a seven cost inkable, 310. He's storyborn mentor king, and he quests for three lore as a rare card. So... Again, um, it's mostly art. It's art and the fact that he is so big. I love that we don't have a lot of characters that have those that 10 anywhere in their stat line. And the fact that it's on a card with three lore just makes me really happy. And like, I, I want to try to find a way to make this card work uh, because it just seems fun to play. Um, and then just for the art, like it's it's a classic Mufasa. I we we've gotten some some sad Mufasas in the sense that they're like all hinting at like when when like the saddest parts in the movie, but like this is this is him as the champion. Like he's he's strong, he's noble, and the artist just captured that so well in the art, even though he's walking through the elephant graveyard, just he's he he does not fear anything and i i love that with his stat line yeah and he has a big butt too so that is fantastic for a seven uh i am curious if they will ever introduce a like if you play Yu-Gi-Oh, uh a shield and sword card uh, what is a shield and sword card uh, a shield and sword card is a card that you play and you switch the attack and the defense. So it would be very interesting if we ever get a card that allows you to change the strength and health. Um, obviously, it might be very situational where that card is relevant. But I think theoretically and thematically, it could be fun to change this 310 into a 103. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh no, I I like this card too. Yeah, I was surprised to see it another 10 willpower character because we don't really I think we only have one other one right now, the Goofy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty nice to see and this one costs two less. So not bad. Uh what what was Chernabog's stat line? Uh nine nine. Nine nine. Oh, okay. So he's close. He's close. Close. Yeah. Ten cost. <laughs> yes, that's that's the ten I'm remembering. Yeah. Uh, you know. You know, another thing is, is we might see a deck that revolves around that we re- that revolves around big butts. Like maybe there is a card that allows you to tap to play a card that has eight or more health for free or something like that. I don't know. You know, this card could have a place in the future if we get that strategy. 
which I think we eventually will get because, you know, it's kind of like thematic of what to expect in a card game. Right. All right. Well, that is uh, all of the inks. Uh, so there you go. Top three through all the ink colors. Um, and so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Jedi Geek Girl, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you and also, uh, you know, where they can find the other half of this and your podcast that comes out normally covering all things Lorcana and, as you mentioned, all things Star Wars Unlimited. Yeah, if people would like to reach out to contact me or to continue the conversation with my picks or anything else, they can mind, they can mainly find me in my Discord, the Ivy Bell Gaming Discord, as well as everywhere else at Jedi Geek Girl. If they would like to follow Ivy Bell Gaming, they can find Ivy Bell Gaming everywhere at Ivy Bell Destiny. If you would like to consume our content, you can find our content on your podcast choice, on your podcatcher of choice, or on YouTube by searching Ivy Bell Gaming Star Wars Unlimited or Ivy Bell Gaming Locana. So. And if you liked what you heard, you can click like and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Sea uh, of Lorcana. And where can they find you, Adara? Oh, yes. I'm on Twitter at OCAM102. And I am on Discord as Adara of Lorcana. Wait. All right. So thank you again, Jedi Geek Girl, for coming on and doing this collaboration. And again, don't forget, everyone, that you can listen to the first half on their podcast feed, uh, I Rebel Gaming. And uh, you can find me everywhere online at Dan Regal. Uh, and thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time.